The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. I am very glad that you are listening. We've got a great program for you, as always. I want to thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. It's great to get those likes, and wonderful to see your comments and your posts, and uh, see that you're following us on Facebook on Spirit of Recovery. And thank you also for your emails, for letting me know how it's going for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. Thank you for participating. It's great. Um, You know that you can uh, post on our Spirit of Recovery wall and on Facebook, and that is fantastic. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community know about Spirit of Recovery. And it is wonderful to have the opportunity to broadcast on the topic of recovery and spirituality right here on unityonlineradio.org. And I love hearing from you and knowing that what we're doing here is making a real difference for you, that the guests that we bring you here on Spirit of Recovery are touching your heart, opening your mind, showing you some new possibilities, um, and inspiring you for this wonderful recovery and spirituality journey. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We are, uh, we have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. We have people who are in recovery themselves, who work with or write for recovering people. And we're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your computer or your smart device. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. And um, also, of course, we've got lots of archives, so you can listen on demand. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery, and you'll find years' worth of really inspiring archives. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction or if you're the family member or friend of someone who has the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are in a recovery process, and you know as a family member or friend, you too can be in recovery um, and around the family illness. You can be in recovery from that. They're great programs for family members. And uh, or perhaps you're someone that's just curious about the process of addiction, that you're looking for information, um, you just want to learn more. We're really glad you're here, glad you're listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we welcome your participation, your comments, your questions for my guests, and we would, we're just glad you're here. 
Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And about 34 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of unity and recovery principles. That walk keeps transforming my life, and it keeps me growing in deeper ways. So I am very grateful for that. And um Grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to bring you great guests and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and your recovery walk. I also want you to know that if you like what's happening on Spirit of Recovery, if you like um, what's happening uh, in the other wonderful programs on unityonlineradio.org, you can support this nonprofit radio station financially if you would like to. You can do that easily. You can simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and you can make either a one-time or an ongoing contribution that supports Unity Online Radio. It is a nonprofit endeavor, and it does lots and lots of good work. So, with that, I want to um, bring you to my guest today, and my guest to you. Our topic is Becoming Who We're Meant to Be. And you know, life's uh, divine purpose becomes our daily reality reality as we let go of addiction and embrace our deep identity and you know addiction can come in many forms again as substances behaviors it can come as the family disease uh you know we have today a really broad understanding of what addiction is and what recovery is so um all of us have the opportunity to get into this great recovery process and uh the journey's arduous because it's inviting us into being conscious being awake and uh, making choices that are life-giving and yet there's help all along the way in this recovery process to help us become who we're meant to be and my guest today is going to be sharing about that she knows a lot about that her name is labette pritchard and Labette has, is a person who's in long-term recovery, and she's also a mind-body fitness instructor. And she has developed a yoga and 12-step program that she teaches at recovery centers and retreats in western North Carolina. And Labette has a lot of experience in her background, and she's going to be sharing that with us. She's got experience with mindfulness practice, with meditation, with humor as a wonderful medicine. She has experience with a spiritual uh, program called 12 After 12, which she'll share some with about with us about. And she also has a really passionate belief in miracles, and she's had lots of miracles in her life. And she believes that miracles make for a serendipitous synchronicity. And she's going to share with us today how she lives her journey to becoming how who she always envisioned that she would be. So, Labette, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. Very glad that you've joined us today. In sharing with me, Labette, a little bit about your life, um, a little few weeks ago or a month ago, you shared with me that um, your life was kind of rolling along, and you were you were doing a lot of things, but um, you had a midlife crisis. And uh, that began what you call a cathartic transformation, and I think your invitation from life into a depth maybe you didn't know existed. I don't know. Would you share with us about your midlife crisis and where it's been taken? <laughs> sure. Thank you, Anna. Um, midlife crisis, yes. Um, well, um yeah, I was humming along for, for a long time in my life, keeping it as full as I possibly could um, and staying really busy. Um, I was married for 27 years and mother of two daughters. And um, about, um, let's see, eight years ago, I guess it was, I decided I needed to calm myself down a little bit. And um, and I took a yoga teacher training. It was an 18-month class and um, was was still drinking heavily and uh, leading um, a pretty um, chaotic life then. And that started the wheels turning 
of knowing that I wanted things to be different in my life, but really being afraid to actually step out of an unhappy marriage and um, and do something different. Um, it took, that was in 2007, it took me until 2008 to actually leave my my marriage, and I spent that that year between 2008 and 2009 getting busier and drinking more and uh, really kind of spinning to a new frenzy because I didn't have my husband there to kind of keep a um, keep tabs on me, so to speak. Um, so in 2009, I um, divorced and got sober. Um, went to rehab on the same day. Uh, so I've always been the type where it's like, uh, if if one thing's good, ten must be better. So uh, I did it all at once, and and it was quite a um, shock to my system. And um, so that began my my turnaround, so to speak, um, and that was uh, six years ago. Uh, two, well, actually three years ago, I started a yoga therapy program in which I wrote my yoga and 12-step program um, as my research paper. So the last six years, I've been growing into um, the person that i uh, and am envisioning it's it's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of what started things rolling, so to speak. Right. Well, let me ask you some questions about that. You know, even though uh, we know today in our culture a lot about addiction and recovery, I think sometimes there's still this stereotype that if a person is inactive, um, alcoholic drinking or other drug use or other behavior that that the outside of their life looks terrible you know that they've run out of money they're you know all this stuff's happening and yet though when i hear your story i'm guessing that the outside of your life might have looked good to a lot of people is that accurate oh yes my mother even told me today she said I never knew you were an alcoholic. It's like, no, Mom, you wouldn't have, because <laughs> I kept it pretty um, under wraps. Yes, mm-hmm. true. Well, and tell us some more, if you would, about how that works, because I think that that can be the experience of a lot of people, and it can be men or women, but sometimes just in women I've talked to in recovery, sometimes for women it has a part- even a particular kind of cast to it as you said your when you were still married your husband was kind of able to maybe you said keep tabs maybe kind of keep things going or something so how is it that somebody can look good on the outside you i'm guessing you were probably somewhat active in your community and so forth but on the inside what's that what's going on with that what's it like living on the inside of that even when the outside kind of looks okay to a lot of people well, it's pretty hypocritical, and um, as long as you keep it on the surface, um, it's 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 not too difficult. Uh, most addicts are very capable and creative people, and they um, uh, they can look however they want. I mean, I, for me, that's a way. Um, and I hear a lot of those stories, and you know that you know people are. Um, look pretty good from the outside, but it, it's uh, it's something that eats away little by little for me, and um, and really my yoga teacher training was when I finally realized I could not live two lives. I mm-hmm. really had to be honest for once. Mm-hmm. What was it that happened in that yoga training that started to help you see, gosh, I've got this discrepancy going on here. And and like you said, that I had to live one life instead of two. Well, well, yoga is, you know, the the term itself means one, uh, union. And and I was seeing so many um, fractured pieces of myself. I I was a very um, 
overachiever type A kind of person that, um, you know, I, I decided, you know, rather than just taking yoga, I would train to teach yoga. So, um, you know, it, it's and it's really still a process. I still have a hard time going into a yoga class and really, you know, putting on that hat. I was one of those that put on lots of hats. I, I, t- I was a teacher. I was a tra- personal trainer. I was a life coach. I was a, a, a laughter yoga teacher. I was a, um, um, you know, d- I did so many, a fitness teacher. Uh, I did so many different things that sometimes I wasn't even uh, aware of what hat I was wearing. And um, so it, it took a while or it still is taking a while for me to um, really get to know myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, thank you for sharing that because that's really insightful. And I think, um, I'm, I think that kind of can happen to a lot of people because, uh, again, our culture here in the West, Western world supports that achievement. And certainly there's nothing wrong with achievement. It's good, and, and I'm sure that you were helpful to a lot of people and yet like you said there can be that disconnect you know in the self um were you aware of that at all when you were when you were before you got sober and when you were doing wearing all the hats and so forth did you sense any kind of like oh what's going on here or emptiness or anything um as long as i was drinking i kind of kept it at bay you know i really was able to feel like it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like I was an accomplished woman on some level, you know, that I, the more I was doing, more is better, you know, that somehow, mm-hmm. you know, the more hats I could wear, you know, the more I would be accepted, you know. So it's it really goes back to that, that uh, term that I learned when I first went to rehab was that we are um, egomaniacs with inferiority complexes. I, I thought I was an extrovert until I, I went in and I realized without alcohol, I was an extremely shy person. So I, I feel like maybe I felt, I felt like I was, I was more accepted if I, if I could wear, you know, some kind of facade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, when you're... And that happened. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. You that, go ahead. Okay. That happened, you know, as I look back 40 years ago when I took my first drink. Um, you know, it's 40 years prior to when I got sober. So um, I realized it was a way for me to fit in. Um and have a social life, um, I thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, th- I'm asking these things because I think it's a, a somewhat common experience, what you're, what you're talking about. Um, because, again, we, in our Western culture, we tend to be so go, 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 like you said, achieve, achieve, wear lots of hats. And I think what you're talking about is pretty common. I don't know. Do you think that's true? Particularly for women, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my in my age group, I find you know the people I've met um, in recovery. Yeah, that's that's kind of a common thread. Okay. All right. Thank you for uh, sharing that with us. It's time for our first break, and uh, my guest is Labette Pritchard. She's sharing with us about becoming who we're meant to be and what can happen for us when we. Uh, move into that recovery process and find ourselves and find wholeness. So stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thanks for 
are listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Becoming Who We're Meant to Be. My guest is Labette Pritchard. Labette is a person in long-term recovery, and she is a mind-body fitness instructor, and she has developed a yoga and 12-step program that she teaches at recovery centers and retreats in Western North Carolina. And she's also talking with us about her own journey and how she brings that into her life and how she brings that into her work, her journey of becoming who she's meant to be. Before I get back to my conversation with Labette, I invite you to join me for a brief moment of meditation to share with me a constructive idea and take a moment in the quiet to join me in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to feel that peaceful presence of your higher power moving throughout your being, allowing you to let go and let your higher power um, bring that sense of peace and serenity, that relaxation, that quietness of mind which is so natural to us. And as you relax, I invite you to share with me this constructive idea. Who I am is wonderful. I am whole. I am loved. I am good. I am accepted. Who I am is wonderful. I am whole. I am loved, I am good, I am accepted. So I invite you to join me now for a moment of quiet. friends for joining me in the serenity minute and i hope that that was a moment for you to make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it to feel that presence of love and that presence of peace and now i'm back to my conversation with my guest labette pritchard and we're talking about becoming who we're meant to be and labette's sharing with us about her work and her journey so um labette you were saying before the break there that you, um, again, that you feel that maybe a a lot of, especially women and and women of your era, kind of get into that business of, you know, the more hats I wear, the more I achieve, the better I am. Would you be willing to share with us what era that is? (laughs) I will be 64 this month. Yes. Great. Good deal. Happy birthday. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Um, And uh, so with that you're you're feeling like we you, we got messages to to get out there and achieve huh and kind of forget maybe that sense of self oh really yes yes um all right and we're kind of caught between i think um generations of you know our parents more were stay at home moms and um and then this next generation coming up is even more career oriented so it was kind of hard, even hard then, to um, to know who I who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like, um, and I'm I'm right there in your same generation there. So it's almost like we had to invent kind of a sense of identity in a way. Yeah, yeah. So when you got into your uh, rehab process. What began to be different for you? You said that you went to a 28-day rehab when you uh, got into sobriety. And what, 
what was started to be different for you? You were waking up when you took the yoga class, and then you went to rehab. So what, what light started to dawn, or how did things look different to you in your rehab process? Well, I, I knew for sure um, as the light started to come on in my 28-day process that, it, that it's a spiritual program. Uh, we went through the big book and the 12 and 12, and worked the first five steps, and um, and I was I felt really at home because I've I've always had a spiritual um, strong spiritual belief, and it really felt right. Uh, and I realized that my spiritual life was critical for my daily reprieve from alcoholism. So um, I, that felt good. Um, you know the abstinence part of it. I wasn't so so sure about, and um, I still wasn't feeling the promises beginning to come true. Uh, and I was I, I can be a little bit of a cynic sometimes and kind of sarcastic. So I I was um, I was skeptical the first um, really the first year, but. Um, my friends all would even make fun of me because I had a little bitty notebook I would keep in my purse and take to meetings as I went to 90 and 90 and then did a lot of meetings even the first year. And I would I would write down all of the affirmations and the, the um, sayings and the acronyms that, that really struck me and almost memorized them. So, um, you know, I still... When I go to teach at retreats now, I'll take my little bag full of all my notebooks, and I think I filled up about seven little uh, journals that first year. Um, but it, it was slow for the light to dawn for me. The pink cloud um, really is probably just now beginning uh, <laughs> after six years. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> How did how has your spirituality changed then? Because you said spirituality was always important to you, so you liked it when you first got in recovery. But um, I'm guessing that your spirituality uh, is different than it was before you got into recovery. How's it changed? Uh, well, you know, I, I was brought up Methodist and then uh, became Episcopalian. Uh, in my adulthood, and and I, after taking yoga and and realizing just how one we all are, you know, um, my spirituality has really taken a shift, uh, both inside and outside. Where you know, I realize the mind body spirit connection more and more, and um, you know, it, it's shifted in that. Um, I feel a sense of, of um, connection with any spiritual being and all spiritual beings uh, now where it wasn't that way um, growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that your program, your 12-step yoga program is is part of this has grown out of this and you said that you you it's you started it because you were taking a course and you wrote this for your paper tell us about yeah. your your 12 step yoga program and how it works okay um well i mean it just really began to make make sense because the yamas and the niyamas in yoga which are you know your personal and your uh um community um uh, like rules of living uh, were just so in line with the 12 steps. And um, so it was really easy for me to take um, take each step and uh, I tied in a, a principle or, a, um, or some sort of yoga principle into that step and then a mantra or an affirmation that tied in and then some sort of pranayama or breathing awareness, um, and then asana or movement patterns that embody that step, and then a meditation that that worked with that step. So uh, I've learned that, you know, in yoga, in trauma, we say the issues are in the tissues. 
which means, I mean, I think anybody, I think everybody pretty much suffers from some kind of trauma and some kind of addictive um, behavior, and and that the the issues that cause that trauma, whether it came in childhood or where, are really deep down in the tissues, and you have to breathe them out and move them out, meditate them out, and speak them out, and really hit every one of your senses to uh, transform and to uh, heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what my, my program, it ties all of that together. It sounds wonderful. It sounds very powerful. Like, I'm, I'm sure that it, it really moves energy. What Could you give us some examples of how you've related uh, some of these aspects of yoga to the steps, to some of the steps? Or uh, Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, um, like, a step that, um, like, I would, I would, um, like a like a uh, I'm looking through my books like step three even um, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood Him and the intention that I tied into the the practice would be um, control submission decision making belief and then the mantra would be um, the Serenity Prayer and we would we would repeat the Serenity Prayer. Throughout and the serenity, um, you know, um, God, I offer myself to Thee. And in the asanas, we would work through, like um, the mountain pose. I face life's challenges with an open heart. So every every position we go into, we say an affirmation that would uh, solidify the belief system in 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 the body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then the meditation would be on the third step prayer. Mm-hmm. So you know it's more it just rather than just um, you know going to the meeting to a meeting or working on a step, it actually embodies it in in the physical body. Mm-hmm. Could you share with us how, like, a, a, an actual session works? Like, is it like a group of people come together and you all work through each of the 12 steps together in this fashion? Or what happens at a session or a meeting? I don't know. What do you call it? Do you call it a session or a meeting? Well, yeah, I, I, I patterned it somewhat after uh, Nikki Myers, who does uh, Y12SR. And, right. um, and where 45 minutes of the meeting is an actual step meeting and you work on that particular step. Sometimes it's like a step for a whole month uh, and then you do, you know, all 12 steps throughout the year and then the other 45 minutes is actual meditation and movement and pranayama and uh, sometimes service work even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the um, it's an hour and a half long meeting. Mm-hmm. Um so that's how I've done it sometimes in recovery um, facilities. Right. So tell us about that. You go to uh, recovery centers where people are in early treatment. Is that accurate? And... Uh, yeah. Sometimes they are uh, actual, like a wilderness program. I taught at a wild, uh, um, I taught men at a wilderness program, and I've taught women at an aftercare uh, facility. And um, and then uh, in a women's program, uh, an in in house program, and mm-hmm. um, and then um, my yoga teacher uh, has a recovery retreat twice a year, and I I teach with her in a weekend retreat type environment. Mm-hmm. How do people respond to this? What happens when you come in and? And work with them with this twelve-step yoga. Um, it's a mind-body exercise, uh, so it, it's really quite. Um, it makes a lot of sense for people to not just think their way into recovery, but actually to to move their way into recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they feel like it really. Uh, makes more sense and and 
helps the process to happen um, sometimes faster and with more um, with more permanency and more sustainability. Mm-hmm. Have you seen um, some do people have like cathartic experiences or do they just kind of feel like they're waking up or with of course preserving people's anonymity but could you tell us any sort of general stories about exactly what happens for people when they practice this? Um, well, I mean, the, the, there have been a few people that give me feedback on it, and um, and they just say, I, I've never felt such peace um, before. I mean, particularly after a class that includes meditation and breath work, they <laughs> just feel like they have an overwhelming sense of calm and peace and um, I also added my 13th step is laughter um, <laughs> yoga, which uh, I base it on we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So uh, mm-hmm. we're trudging the road of happy destiny. So it's not, um, it's not all work. It's actually the life of recovery is actually a happy one. So people find that they, they have more, um, more joy. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So tell us about laughter yoga. I know I've heard heard about it, but I've never seen it or done it. What is it? It, you know, it's crazy. It's um, sometimes people have a little hard time getting out of their, um, their uncomfortable, you know, feeling of looking silly because it is silly. And uh, it is a, you know, exercise to help us reconnect with our childlike uh, being um, it is is a way to um, a way to uh, increase endorphins in the body it it shifts your your brain actually and um, it it's um, it's like they call it like abdominal jogging <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, given been given the same uh, effect as um, as aerobic exercise so it it definitely changes um, the whole um, mindset. It's based on the book Anatomy of an Illness, written by Norman Cousins, mm-hmm. and it's it says laughter is the best medicine. The doctor's genius lays in helping the patient use his powers, his laughter, his courage, his tenacity, and mobilizing the body for its own natural healing resources. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it goes way back to uh, Hippocrates, which says that laughter is the best medicine. So in, it, as it applies to recovery, um, I feel like you know if if there's if there's not a payoff, why do it? If I'm not happier now than I was before, uh, will I actually stay sober? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the 12 after 12 program that I'm just learning about comes in because it is a another set of steps, 12 steps, which focus on uh, character assets and empowerment tools, uh-huh. which I love. Right. Well, tell us some more about that. I know we've had uh, Anthony Andres on here on Spirit of Recovery before talking about the 12 after 12 and I think he's going to come back on as a guest um, later on maybe next year but tell us some about it. Tell us about the 12 after 12 and how you're experiencing that. Okay. Uh, Well, I was looking when I was preparing to teach at the recovery retreat this year, I was looking for, uh, or last year, I was looking for um, uh, more material about spiritual um, power and spiritual um, development, and 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 the just more of a positive take on the twelve steps, and um, and I ran across his website. And it just, it was just like when I, when I read the 12 steps in my 28 day rehab, it was like when I read his program, it was like, 
oh, my God, this is the next piece of the puzzle for me. It is, it is the place that, that truly connects me to God and, and, and helps me to see what a beautiful creature I am and that, you know, I have gone through these bad times to prepare me for this, this time of spiritual growth, which is all about looking at what's good about me and not what, um, what is wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I so, feel that's what he does. Right. And his website, I don't have it written down, but it's just 12 after 12, I think, right? If you Google that, you'd find that. It is, that. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 12, and the number 12 after 12. I think you could find it. That's good. So do you, are you in a 12 after 12 uh, practice? Do you practice that those steps every day, or how does that work? Well, I, I have not as yet, but um, I'm waiting for, he's, he's got a, a book that's in the process now, and um, and I do want to uh, begin moving forward with that. I've I just becoming really acquainted with it and, and really um, beginning to use his steps um, in addition to the original 12. Right. Right, and I think what I recall from what Andre talked about when he was my guest before, that he's not trying to replace the original 12, but he sees these as an addition. Is that... Exactly, exactly. Right, Right. that's good. Well, I want to go back to laughter yoga. So so what do you do when you're... I mean, do you just laugh or... I've got to do this. I've never... Anyway, so what do you do? How does it work if you're having a laughter yoga session? Well, if you if I, I take it like I do uh, the rest of my steps, uh, my intention is to raise endorphins and to laugh and to practice unconditional love. And so the process when you're doing a, a laughter yoga session is to um, is to um, look at each other. We're re- usually in a circle, and it's the eye contact and the um, the the mantra, the mantra is ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. So you're saying uh, words over and over again that, um, that release energy and, um, and supply oxygen to the brain. And then you're also doing uh, mudra, which is um, placing your hands together and clapping your hands at the same time, which um, it's like ho, ho. Ha ha ha! So you're actually stimulating your palms of your hands, which are the reflexology points of the entire body. So hmm. as you stimulate and increase the blood flow to your hands, and you say this mantra, ho ho ha ha ha, it um, it raises your blood flow and your circulation. It increases endorphins. It um, it improves your immune system. I mean, there's a list of like 30 different systems within the body that are activated or improved by just practicing that. And then you walk around and you make eye contact with the people in the group and, and laugh. And, um, and it, it's, it's a really um, amazing process. <laughs> It sounds like fun. It is. If you, don't, if you don't have a group right now, can you do this by yourself, or or the benefits is good, oh. or is better to have a group, or what, or both? Well, it's more fun with with a group. But if you look at Doctor Madame Kataria, is the guy's name. He has some YouTube's where he's practicing it uh, on Skype, and you can watch him while he does it, and he even does it silent. So. You can tell he's laughing, but he's not making any noise because he says he can't wake his wife up. So he practices on Skype by himself. So it, it's really um, he he started it as a science project, as a research project, to see if laughter actually does heal the body. Uh-huh. And and he found that that it does it does in fact, and it it's it's not even. Most at, the, at first he practiced it only by telling jokes, and they laughed at jokes, and then they ran out of jokes. So they said, right. so I wonder if you just laugh for the sake of laughter, does it work? 
And uh-huh. it actually does. And his research shows that children laugh on the average of about 300 times a day for no reason. Oh, and adults wow. about 15 times a day. And that's only if they have, you know, something to laugh about. Which oh, is, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really oh, no. <laughs> amazing. Uh-huh. So, wow. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. That's good. So when you do your retreats or go to recovery centers, you say you do the laughter yoga as well with people? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. That's we cool. Do. Yeah. So, Labette, how has how has the how have these practices how are they changing your life? What's happening for you as you this stuff sounds wonderful and your uh how's it affecting you? What's different for you? Oh gosh. Well, I'm able to let go and let God a lot more. I'm not holding on to um, outcomes as much as I used to. I don't really care what other people think of me like I used to. Um, I've done a lot of amazing things in my sobriety. I've, uh, I've been on a vision quest for 10 days out in California, three of those days, which I sat by myself with nothing but water. Um, and, uh, I've walked, um, a pilgrimage route in Italy. I've walked around the, uh, the Alps in Mont Blanc. I have, um, gone to meet Machu Picchu. Um, I, um, I've, I've just, it's amazing all of the things that I have felt, um, able to do when I finally stopped worrying and um i'm able to step out in faith um right now actually back in may i moved out of my my house and i have traveled cross country in a little teardrop trailer and right now i'm uh, my dog and i are just kind of waiting on god to see what the next step is (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh so it's just it's an adventure, I have to say, an adventure. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's it's like you're, as you say, because you've gotten into the recovery process and and really, I I would phrase it as finding your wholeness, finding that oneness. As and you've said that that it's like life's opening up for you, and. I guess ways maybe you didn't imagine. I don't know if you'd have looked at yourself like, say, two years before you got into recovery. Would would you believe it if somebody said, "Labette, this is going to be your life"? No, ne- never. Uh, I was pretty much a big chicken. I I would talk about things, but I didn't do them. Um, as far as trusting myself, um, and and no, I, I would not have believed it was possible. Mhm. Mhm. So, um what are what are some of those things again as you say you don't know you're you and your dog are traveling across the country you're listening to your higher power but what are some of the things if you'd be willing to share with us that are in your heart or that you think are possibilities maybe this would open up maybe this is where it's heading I don't know is there anything within you that, like that? Well, yeah, um I envision myself being involved somehow in the recovery community uh, for the rest of my life. Um, It gives me much joy and fulfillment. Um, Travel is definitely on my my radar. I've I've applied to teach at a recovery uh, facility in Thailand and one in Costa Rica. I have not, it, it didn't work out at the time. Uh, but um, I'm open, you know, I, I really, I've been a personal trainer for about 30 years, so um, I've been, I'm seasoned in that, and I teach lots of different types of lifestyle wellness, mm-hmm. and um, and I really try to use um, encouragement and humor and, um, and, um, Humility and vulnerability as my my tools to make it unique. Um, so uh, I, I see, you know, I see so many people having a hard time uh, 
with their physical health and their um, their confidence of being able to to um, step out and live their dreams, uh, particularly later in life. They feel like this is their lot and they're kind of stuck with it. Um, so I, I really find that my niche, so to speak, I feel, is to empower and encourage and motivate people that um, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really important. And like you said, it uh, it gives people that experience in recovery that there is a reason to stay in recovery. There's a reason to keep living this lifestyle because, um, as you say, once they're not consigned to, you know, whatever they think they're stuck with. It's like, no, life opens up. It can be really good. I can fulfill some of those dreams that maybe I, maybe I tucked away somewhere. Right. I mean, that, that's my, my goal is to, is to connect people with their dreams. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you do it wonderfully well. What are some of the practices other than the the yoga and the and so forth that you use? As you say, you've had a, a really deep um, history with uh, working in lots of ways with wellness and so forth. What are some of the other things that you work with people to help them connect with those dreams? Wow. Um... Well, I mean, I'm still personal training um, one-on-one and in groups, and I, I have a lot of, like, women who kind of let themselves go that that um, that don't know where to start, you know. So I, I've got several women that, you know, that I've, uh, I've been training for a while that I feel like they're, they're realizing, you know, they can do it, and, and that's so beautiful. Uh, I, I do that a lot. I, um, I, I organize travel groups. Um, I've got 25 women going down to an island in Georgia next year. Uh, so, you know, I, I help people to get out of the box and get out of their comfort zones a little bit and, um, and have a good time. So mm-hmm. I, I just really feel like that's, that's some of what I do. And, um, I, I just, like I said, I walked a pilgrimage for five weeks with a group of people uh, in Italy this year. Which um, one is that? Is that the El Camino or is that another one? No, we walked the Via Francigena, which is the uh-huh. one it walks. Uh, actually, it goes from uh, Canterbury, England to Rome, uh, but we started at the Swiss border and walked to Rome. Uh-huh. What was that like? Yeah. What were some of the adventures that you had on that one? Oh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> we just were so uh, spontaneous. I mean, it was just a miracle that seven people could walk together for five weeks and not get in a fight. Um, and we would just, we would walk, we would uh, take a break and go over to Pisa or Florence. We would stay. We never knew where we were going to stay one day ahead of where we were. We would call to a monastery or a convent and some sweet little nun would open the door and welcome us in, and mm-hmm. without the language, um, it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did that touch you spiritually to have done that? Well, it let me know how much more one we all are, uh, that language or, um, you know, age or experience, none of those things really matter. You know, the connection is through the eyes and through the heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to that sense of oneness and and that feeling. I'm I'm guessing that's a feeling of wholeness and authenticity. So it's really different from what you were talking about earlier today about feeling like you were wearing all these hats. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I went to a friend's mother's funeral uh, Saturday and I said the one thing I want on my tombstone is she was authentic and she looked at me and said I think I think you'll get that uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it is it is that's I have to say probably the biggest change is that I, I feel like I'm at home in my own skin right and that is huge 
That's huge. Has it changed you, the way that you are uh, relate to the people in your life that you're closest to? Well, the old Lebet rears are ugly head sometimes because I can still be a little sarcastic and a little bit uh, um, cynical. Uh, it, but yes, I I, um, I I do. I mean, I guess I have to say people people comment and recognize it in me. I don't always recognize it in myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they have that sense of of maybe I'd guess in a deeper connection with you maybe than they did before. Yes, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, um, that really matters. That makes uh, so much difference, you know, and that's one of the big gifts of recovery for sure is that deeper connection with people. Well, let me ask you this, Labette. If people wanted to know more about, um, we already talked about the 12 after 12, if they wanted to know more about laughter yoga, how would they find about information about that if they wanted to learn about uh, laughter yoga well well probably just to google laughter yoga um it's it's not you don't see it as much as you do just other types of yoga um mm-hmm. but you know dr madan m-a-d-a-n kataria k-a-t-a-r-i-a uh, was the originator Mm-hmm. In 1995, mm-hmm. in Mumbai, India. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's there are laughter clubs, as they call them, as he started them. Um, in um, you know, there I think there's like six thousand of them years ago when I first got started in 2007. There were uh, six thousand of them. Um, it's they're a little harder to find, probably, but um, but if you can locate one. They're, um, if you're willing to let down your guard and, and just go in for the experience, they are well worth the, um, the effort of finding one. Okay, that sounds great. And just to wrap up, we're almost at the close of our time here, but how would people, if they want to know more about your work, uh, Labette, how would um, they find out about it? Can they just Google your name and... Well, you know, I, I'm not so much into uh, marketing and all those kind of things, uh, and I don't have a website. Um, I do. I've been at the Grove Park Inn Resort and Spa for thirty, uh, well, twenty three years now, and I've been training, uh, personal training, for about uh, thirty years. Um, I am my uh, web. I mean, my email would be. Uh, Lavette at mytravelingtrainer.com. Okay. Or, li- or live life fit at mm-hmm. gmail.com if someone wanted to email me. But I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, um, that's me. <laughs> that's good. That is you. Thank you so much, Lavette. I really appreciate, um, the work that you are doing within your own life, it's, it is inspiring and so inspiring to hear all that you are doing and the ways that you're living your dreams and for all the work that you're doing that inspires other people. And thank you so much for being my guest today. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. Thank you for joining us today on Spirit of Recovery. Have a wonderful week, and we will be back next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health 
boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogis and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.